What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. Uh, this is episode number 310. My name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts. I'm here as always with... I'm Ron. And I'm John. Man, that was that was good, guys. That was really, really metered well. Like We really killed it that time. I just want to give you guys all a thumbs up on that. It's pretty good. Um, uh, yeah, man. So we're going to get into a, a pretty hefty topic here towards the back end of this show. We're going to be talking about the new uh the james gunn the suicide squad the james gunn the suicide, the suicide no, squad yeah uh towards the end of the show we're going to get into like a couple of different parts of that a proper review and then maybe some context about the reception of the movie and its release in the box office and all that stuff that, that stuff that seems to be surrounding it we're also going to be talking about the first three episodes of the new hulu series called nine perfect strangers um with one hell of a cast and uh we can kind of get into Try to stay away some from some spoilers. Uh, that's our goal usually with these shows, especially like these Hulu shows that drop a couple episodes to kind of get you started, and then they'll start doing the weekly releases. But at the top right now, I think we're going to just talk a little bit about maybe if there's some news items you guys want to mention. But I know Ronald, you got a chance to check out the first episode of the new Marvel series on Disney Plus called "What If," right? Yes, yes. So, yes. so, so, tell us about it. Tell us what you thought briefly about the first episode, and we'll probably get into it more next week. We've seen a uh, well, we've all seen that one, and maybe episode two as well. Yeah. Sure. So, what if is an animated series, the first of the <clears throat> Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, exclusive to Disney Plus, where uh, there's this entity in the sky portrayed by uh, oh goodness, Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright. Wright. Thank you so much. Uh, Jeffrey Wright. The great he, Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. And he basically is this entity that imagines these scenarios that are very different from the scenarios that we currently know in the MCU. It, think of it like Black Mirror, but for <laughs> the MCU. One thing okay. changes, and then that changes the whole reality of um, uh, a story arc that you may know. Like a butterfly effect, almost of like yes. go back to some crucial thing. Absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes it would be a crucial thing. Like the, the what if comic series yes. was always kind of a cool one, but sometimes it would be like, what if Aunt May became Spider Person, or what right, if, right, right, what right. if, uh, you know? But other times, I, I feel like you can do odd ones where it's just like, what if this character did this thing that another character did? It doesn't always. It's not always like a grand ironic reversal. It can just be like you know something that seems like a small change but that as as you're saying ronald it can kind of have a ripple effect yeah yeah and then and in this case um based on per the the sport uh the, the trailers i was gonna say per the spoilers uh the trailer this particular episode was what if peggy carter were to take the mantle of a captain america like person but she's british so that is that is the character um captain britain right captain but well they call her captain captain Car carter captain carter in it which is interesting so um, well, there's a comics character named captain britain that has his own story so maybe they're avoiding getting i think too they much into i that. think that's what it is i think no. they're, they're avoiding some of that because i've heard of that character um so uh, i thought that this was a pretty decent start and i think what they're trying to do right now is get you very familiar with the idea you're fresh off the heels of um you know captain america and the winter soldier show 
So your headspace is in a place where you're like, okay, if if this world were to change, just like it changed very recently, how would it be? Um, right. I think the animation is gorgeous. Um, although there's something, something is missing about this episode and I can't figure out if it's pacing or something like that. And the first thing I thought when I watched it was, man, DC does cartoons better. <laughs> it was yeah. the first thing that I thought. I mean, and not and not like not like haphazardly. They have like I can name you 15 movies straight. I can give you a playlist that you can watch of solid, solid DC things, including uh, the Batman Halloween series that just came out. Parts one and two, which yeah, long were- Halloween. Flawless. Yeah. The long. Have you read Halloween. that comic? Did you know the series? No, that it's based no. On? Should I? No, should it's I a great. It it's a great Batman story. It's okay. and it's also like a nice fat graphic novel. Like if you like reading a long, I do. a long story. I, I love that too. I just love okay. sinking into a comic story. Gotcha. It's got really cool art too. A guy named Tim okay. Sale. Oddly enough, the guy who wrote that story, Jeff Jeff Loeb, mm-hmm. is the guy who sort of spearheaded the. Um, the Marvel offerings on Netflix, the Daredevil, get out all of that here. stuff. So he and he's written a lot of like seminal stories. Anyway, not to get too comic yeah, story, yeah. but uh, yeah, there's there's a lot. It's, the HBO Max subscription is basically a doorway to all these awesome DC Warner Brothers right, right, animated absolutely. things. And yeah, you're right. DC has always like the animated version of the DC universe has always been really healthy, like for Solid, decades man. now. So Solid. yeah, that's one way that the MCU would really have to fight to catch up. But I do yeah. think production value and gorgeous animation it's gorgeous. Would, would would be the way that Marvel could get their foot in the door because yeah. they've got a lot more, you know, they're starting out with all this, uh, you yeah. know, all this momentum. So um, so it, it is worth checking out. Like I said, I think they're starting off with something you're very familiar with. And then I think it's going to get a little nuts from here. Like you could kind of tell. So if this is the the platform that the rest of the, the stories will have, it feels this is not the strongest start, but I can see some promise in the premise, you know, like I've read some, some what ifs, but like I haven't ever dove into it the way that this will, you know, right. I think it's really cool to see what's going to play out. But this one it seems like it seems like it's a good starting point, if it only because, like, the idea of you know, it being the first Avenger. Like, if the first Avenger yes. was different, was a different yeah. uh, character. Like, I, I like that. Like, you know, and again, perspective, not the comics guy, but the MCU fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's totally. like you know they sell me on the idea of like my favorite Avenger, my favorite yeah. character in the movies. What if he wasn't the first one? Like, and that is interesting to me. And I like, you know, the, you know, the idea of it being a different character that I'm familiar with and what repercussions that would have, maybe like you're saying for yeah. the, the episodes to come and when they start to kind of cross, like that might be really interesting. So yeah. What's the, there's also something yeah. they haven't shown in the trailer. That's really cool that they kind of, that's kind of the hidden. So there's like the Peggy Carter thing that you've seen in the trailer. And then there's another surprise that kind of comes out of that, which is really cool. cool. Well, you know what's interesting to me is that in the in the press for this, they started mm-hmm. like in the last couple of weeks, they started talking about this show a little differently. After the end of Loki, they mm. talked more openly about this show being like a way of exploring the multiverse. Right. And so, so to me, and we we were like, what if 
what if, what if kind of is going to do that. Like, I don't, I don't know if it was on the show or off that we talked about, like, if the show what if was a way to sort of explore these little mm-hmm. multiversal ideas. And it's like, even if it's not going to be a direct storyline that's connected yet to the movies or the shows, it fits in in terms of that plan of like, when is this show coming out? Well, this show is coming out after we've had the idea introduced to us of all these crazy splintering multiverses. Yes, so they can right. show you these what if scenarios. And if one of them is really cool or catchy, I, you know, I guess all I'm saying is who knows what they have planned in terms of how these things could start to inform each other and knit together. And they've yeah. already talked about some form of continuity in the in the idea of doing a season two of what if that certain scenarios will return. Uh, so anyway, oh, I just really cool. I, I just think it's a promising thing. And yeah, I, thus far, that would be my concern, Ronald, would just be, do, do they really have their storytelling legs under them as far as this animated thing? Obviously, the, the technique behind the animation, it looks kind of cool, uh, but it has to be like written and directed well. It can't just be nice to look at and... You know, I don't know. I'm 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 intrigued by this concept, but yeah, me too. But I'm also also kind of not surprised to hear that they don't quite nail it in the first yeah. episode. But but it's promising, and and I'm wondering about some of the voice acting. But it, it's some of them. It's some of it is like really good. And some of them is like I don't know what you're doing. I'm like, what is the fuck? Where was this recorded at? <laughs> <laughs> but probably, probably at their house on an iPhone. Yes. <laughs> well, it yeah. sounded like Vin Diesel that you were doing. Is there a surprise Vin Diesel appearance? <laughs> I hope so. I guess that uh, was more Stallone. But. Yeah. Um. Cool. So, what what the hell else is going on? So we we we, we what if is a thing? We, and we watched uh, three episodes of the yes. new Hulu series. It feels like a Nicole Kidman baby. Is isn't it like the same pr- production arm that did the HBO thing? Or am I crazy about that? This this just feels like another. Like I wouldn't even be surprised if that's her singing on the on the theme song again. <laughs> is this that's this like- is? I heard something about this is us in this show. Like like some part of this is like. Nine We're talking perf- about nine perfect strangers, by the yeah, way. Just nine case. perfect and, strangers. And I, I forgot. I'm, I misunderstood when you said what we were doing. So I watched the first nine episodes of Perfect Strangers. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm here to talk about Balky and some hijinks, but missed the mark you. by that yeah. much. Yeah, I know. Just a teeny uh, bit. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the same. It's David E. Kelly produced. You know, like Big Little Lies. He did uh, The Undoing, her other HBO show. Um, yeah, and yeah, from the jump, you know, it has that same, you know, vibe. Uh, yeah, and, and it's interesting. I mean, you said it, those two names together, it feels a little bit like a vanity project, and yet it also feels like it's got this, this, this person who definitely knows how to write television. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Cooking up the characters and the scenarios. And so, um, I mean, if I had to give a one sentence review, I would say that what really kept me going for the most part was the acting. Um, there were times, I mean, I don't know, in three episodes, which we were able to see and which at the time of, uh, well, not not today, but next Wednesday, everyone will be able to see these episodes on Hulu. Um, yeah. Uh, those, well, I suppose anyone who has subscription, has a subscription or access to a subscription, but, you know, surely everyone out there, you can do that. It's on Hulu. It's, you know, they're dropping three to get you into this show. It does have a weird, it takes a minute to unfold what's going on. And even at the end of episode three, you're not really sure what exactly is going on. But right. um, I don't know. I mean, I found it kind of interesting and frustrating in, in little fits and spurts, but I definitely never felt like, oh, I'm going to stop watching this or, and I, I guess I haven't fully decided after we do this segment on it, like, am I going to make sure I can 
catch up and watch the remainder of the show, or am I just going to maybe, you know, watch it here and there? I, I don't know how into it I am, but the acting was top-notch. And some of the yeah. scenes, there's some great scenes, you know, you do get to see some really cool moments of uh, people bouncing off of each other. I thought that uh, Bobby Cannavale and, uh, and, um, and uh, Melissa McCarthy Melissa had some McCarthy. great chemistry together. And actually, he's pretty great across the board, I thought, is, uh, in this. Um, and Michael Shannon is doing some pretty amazing stuff, too. And Melissa McCarthy's been good. I don't know. There's some really interesting stuff going on. What do you guys think? And do you, has it got its hooks in you? <clears throat> um, I was going to say, one of the things that stands out to me is like, and it, the same with those other two shows, which I think I like a lot about these shows that we're talking about, is that they kind of have, they have the same director for the whole series, mm. which, you know, like, uh, Big Little Lies had uh, Jean-Marc Vallée and Susan Beer did the, un the Undoing and Jonathan Levine does is doing this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been pretty positive on most of the movies that he's made. Most recently, like, I I adored, loved, obsessed with Longshot. Um, but I've also, like, you know, The Night Before, 50-50. Um, most of his movies have been pretty good, in my opinion. But I, I, I like that idea of, like, you know, having a director that kind of sticks through for the season. So he's doing, like, all the, ep I think, all eight or nine episodes that the season is. So there's eight. Yeah, so I like that because even in amongst the first three, you do feel the cohesiveness, I think, of, of the direction. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like so far, I don't think it's hit me as quickly as maybe Big Little Lies did or or even The Undoing, which I don't really know that I ended up liking or loving The Undoing. Yeah, um, me either. But the, the standout here, I think maybe even more so than any of the other ones, and maybe just because you have you know such a large cast, Um it is, yeah, it, it is the cast and it's the performances that really kind of stand out. And, you know, Nicole Kidman kind of being the through line, she's very good. I mean, like, you know, I think she's really just quite good in general. But the standout, I would agree, is uh, so far, at least, I really like what uh, Bobby Cannavale is doing. Um, and in those scenes with Melissa McCarthy, especially in that first episode, like right off the jump, they were just like really great together. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, that's the benefit of a show like this is that, like, you know, with so many great actors. And I mean, we're talking like some of our favorite actors and actresses, like in a series, um, you know, kind of this mystery drama, what's going on kind of yeah. uh, sort of show. You know, it's just like a treat to see so many people that we love. Like, I love Samara Weaving. Yes, you know, she's her great. in this. She's, she's great. And I mean, I can't wait to see what happens with her and Michael Shannon. There's all these characters that are, you know, you, you can just see, you can kind of see in the next couple episodes kind of interacting more and, and really having conflict more. You know, like, I think that is something to look forward to. I, to the point we're at, I don't know that I'm totally hooked, kind of like you're saying, John. I definitely want to stick with the series and kind of see where it goes. But so far, I think the, the real hook is, you know, these names and these performances are, are enough to keep me going. And hopefully the show has a little more deliver in the second and, you know, third portion of the season. What about you, Ronald? Um, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, we were in the first episode. <laughs> I think because I don't know what it is about, like, cult feeling things. I'm, right. I'm, I'm drawn into it. Like, it's. There's something about, so I, I'm also like a, a Michael cult Shannon, okay, yeah, a cult <laughs> figure who's also a fan of, of, of Michael Shannon, 
and yes. and Samara Weaving and and so the three to me that, that are like standing out to me, uh, I mean, in terms of just the visitors of Michael Shannon, Samara Weaving and then Regina Hall. Those are the three for me. Right. Yeah. And oh, then yeah. the staff members, uh, Tiffany Boone, who comes from The Shy. She was in the first season of The Shy. And um, I, 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 Manny to, to yes, he's what he's doing, what he's doing right now, what he's it's doing unbelievable. In the first, because the duality of of like what he's trying to balance in the first three episodes is out of this world, and and what his you know his his work his work partner is also balancing in it is crazy. Then you have a then you have all. All these, like you're saying, all these actors playing off of each other in the little moments, it almost feels like a wrestling match. You know, you're like, when is Hulk Hogan going to fight The Rock? <laughs> Hulk Hogan fights The Rock. And then you're like, when's Ric Flair going to fight? It feels like that every scene. Like, no one in this feels like they're lacking. And even and like they're being wasted. Yes. Even, right. a, even right. a YouTube star, uh, TikTok star. No, that was Vine, a Vine star turned actor in Melvin Gregg, who is also in, um, oh, God, uh, the drug drama on FX. Uh, Snowfall. 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 He becomes yeah, one of the Snowfall. main drug dealers in Snowfall. What yeah. he's doing on the screen is is admirable, too. So, like, the fact that he's even in this, like, that I'm even mentioning that he's solid on the same screen as these people means there's some artistry is going on there's some fireworks yeah. going on well you know when, when you talk about the ca the way the cast works together it made me think of the sort of fun of i guess you call them like a closed room murder mystery i was whatever, gonna like, say that like, like, like yeah. murder on uh, murder on the orient express orient. Yeah. or or even more so maybe even like uh, knives out or something like that yeah. which michael shannon was also in but where you kind of throw these quirky characters together and not quirky in the sense of like quirky comedy or whatever, but quirky where it's like these characters really are, they have got rough edges and they've all got their own little stories yeah. and the actors are all doing something kind of interesting. And the way they bounce off of each other, it really is kind of like there's room for this all-star cast. And yeah, you're right. Manny, I think Manny Jacinto, yeah. I think yeah. his character's name is Yao. Um, yeah, there's just something so unusual about his energy because he presents this really calming, really sweet energy but you also get a sense there's again the layers i have not yet found out maybe in the episodes that we have access to i'll find out a little bit more when i watch more but like um it yeah like i feel like there's this backstory to what they're doing there that at this place i don't know i guess we shouldn't say much i think it's presented as a very mysterious show but there's a scenario that people are going into that's being run in a way that we're learning more and more about what the true purposes of it might be and what it might actually be going on and he's he's on that side like you said he's part of the staff of this resort this wellness resort that the people are going to yeah retreat mm -hmm. that that is run by nicole kidman's character and it is yeah i, I think the mystery is is interesting enough to me, but I'm having flashbacks to shows that, that string you along with a mystery. And then there's not really much of a there, there. Right. Um, right. But I, so I think it is the characters in the acting that's going to carry the day very much like lost uh, at its best. It was about the characters and finding out about their stories. And this show has a very losty kind of energy to it, honestly, uh, right down to the fact that when they go outside and they're walking, they're in that kind of, you know, tropical or semi-tropical yeah. kind of lush world. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, no, I, I, I guess we're all intrigued. I'm not quite maybe as hooked as you and Aaron are yet, Ronald. But I bet that, like I said, I bet I'll, I bet I'll run through those episodes that we, we can watch before they end up airing. Because yeah. um, I am, I'm just curious to see what the heck's going on. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's based on a book. Do you guys know anything about this, this material? No, okay, yeah. No. I went in completely cold. Yeah, I, I know nothing yeah. about it, and I'm, I, I'm glad that it's on Hulu because I feel like. Honestly, if this were on anything else, when this hit the internet, the streets, it would go, people would go ape shit if it was on something else. Like, I think that sometimes marketing and where it's at can affect the way that people think about it. Um, and I'm hoping that it feels like Hulu is ha- kind of having this rumbling about being a solid place for TV, sh- original TV shows and movies. And it's, it's promising, man. And I, I I want to see them grow. I want to see them make it. And mm. things like this are a step, you know? I, I like seeing it, so. Well, maybe we'll catch up more later in the season and oh, see, yeah, man. see how things are shaping up. Cool. On the, uh, res- where are they? I, I just realized I said tropical. <laughs> are they Are they just in California somewhere? Is it, you know? I've been trying to figure that out, It's not out really too. tropical. It would just be. It, 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 it comes across like it's, it's, it's. California somewhere. Yeah. So it's more like lush and and yeah. Pacific. That yeah. that was the yeah, word yeah. I was looking for, not not tropical. It's pretty damn cool. Don't call us, don't email us, don't correct us, all you people who <laughs> the hundreds of people who are constantly dogging us every time we, we misspeak. <laughs> oh man. So oh, man. um So wait, are resorts having a moment because there's that White Lotus so. show on HBO? And have there's you, an, have you watched and there's that? another there's another new movie that that may or may not have a resort element, but I don't want to say. But if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. If you haven't, maybe you don't. <laughs> but it's like a, people are having this thing right now. Maybe I'm wondering if it has to do with it being easier to shoot in a remote location where so. you can control the amount of people that are there. Yeah. But also that there might be something about you know if you're like a a Hollywood person, one of the things you might think, oh, it'd be kind of neat to do a story about these resorts, these l- super swanky resorts that I get to go to, you yeah. know? Um, but I don't know. Or it might, it might even be, this would be a fun project, the kind of Adam Sandler model of like, let's just get some cool people and go stay at a nice place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where we can socially distance. Yeah, absolutely right. There's something about resorts and then behind the scenes of the resort. What's really happening behind yeah, closed right. doors? Yeah, right. What are people really doing? Yeah, that's something... I've seen a ton. Well, there's like an inherent critique of the sort of person who wants to go experience something, but wants to experience a particular kind of sheltered, pampered version of it. And I think Mm -hmm. we would all jump at the chance to have certain sheltered, pampered experiences. (laughs) But you would also hopefully not kid yourself that you were experiencing like the the place or the culture of a place. What you're experiencing is, you know, a nice, you know package version of it yes a yeah. package version of it, right a cleaned up it ain't so bad sometimes man. no it's nice i'm just saying i can i can see how people would say there's something inherently like unsympathetic about right. people about like wealthy people who have gone to a, a place to have a to have a top-notch experience you know like yeah. that that's the whole story of uh white lotus yeah yeah, yeah. what yeah i guess we could talk about that later if yeah you we yeah, should I, we should talk about that next week because if you yeah. catch up like the season finale is Sunday. Okay, yeah, let's do that. So let's we that. we could we could uh, do the whole season. Yeah, that's Hell worth yeah. checking out. Yeah, summer resort. Um, we could do that, and we could talk about uh, <laughs> '80s films with names like summer resort. <clears throat> uh, um, 
what else we're gonna say yeah i think you're right ronald like the the hulu of it all is kind of like a weird thing because it does seem and i kind of felt this way about little fires everywhere like when that came out it definitely had that same like feeling about like the cast being like a pretty well you know well cast like big names and you know that was one of the reese witherspoon produced ones as well which you know she has her ties to hbo like big little lies and yeah it's 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 there they're there and that was like i think i think lynn shelton maybe did all those episodes too if i'm not mistaken but it's the same model that they're doing with this show yeah. you know like it seems like hbo and hulu are kind of a adopting the same approach and like even crossing over and working with the same people in some way. So I don't, yeah. I wonder what the, the deals are like uh, because, you know, seeing these packages go from uh, HBO to Hulu and, and back, it's just like interesting to see how that's even, I don't know, possible or, I mean, I guess it's possible because they don't have like any kind of tie, like where they can only do stuff there. But um, it is interesting because this, this type of show where you have like, you know, uh, a single director doing all all the episodes, and like you have a really big cast with like, you know, in the, in all cases of what we're talking about, like strong female leads, big name actresses anchoring the show, like that's really interesting. And those two networks seem to be really buying into that business. So I yeah, mean, man. it's pretty awesome. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where the rest of the season goes. I kind of probably I'll probably catch up maybe by the next time we record to watch a couple more of them. So um moving along uh i think the, the big conversation we're gonna have now is just talking about the suicide squad so the suicide squad finally came out last week in uh day and date from theaters. the wicked mind of james gunn yeah That's what all right. the ads said yeah right the the ads that really really banked on people wanting to see a james gunn movie well, that's why um, I'm saying that, you know, that's what yeah, they were I got trying you. to lead I'm, with. I'm, yeah. I'm picking up what you're dropping. Right, yeah, I got you, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is one of the Warner Warner releases that's coming out on, uh, you know, HBO Max and theaters everywhere, basically. Um, and I don't know where we're going to start the conversation. If we're going to talk about its performance or the movie itself, you guys have a preference. The movie itself first, because I feel okay. like I don't want it to dampen, you know, as John was saying, he doesn't want it to dampen kind of I don't want it to dampen it. Yeah, I don't want it to dampen, I don't want it to the whole. dampen it. I just <laughs> think it would be it, it would be easy to, fair to shake. It would be easy to overwhelm the actual movie with like yes. the implications. Because I think the three of us are very interested in like <sighs> the implications of like what what are they gonna do with the, the yeah, it sounds like uh Dennis every time now, right? From the implications but no it's like but it's like you can't help but think about all these plans people make and how they might shift these plans and since we talk a lot about these plans and the films (laughs) like it's interesting but this is an actual movie not just a marketing scheme and not just part of a franchise or whatever so yes as a james gunn fan i myself was looking forward to seeing the suicide squad and it was very exciting uh, when they announced it's coming out thursday not friday so last thursday night uh, my wife and I sat down to watch it, and uh, it, it was with a certain excitement in the air and a certain a tinge of sadness that this was the way I was seeing it. Yeah. But when when given the option to see it in the theater uh, in a possible crowd or see it at home, it was a, an easy choice to to see it at home. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Were you guys were you guys psyched about this? Like, how were you feeling coming into this movie? And you know, I know we talked about it months ago, but I kind of feel like everything feels less eventful as it comes out nowadays. It's like it used to yeah. used to feel like a much bigger thing when a movie would hit because you would go and have that crowd experience. And now it right. kind of feels like a much more 
like a, a, a like a compartmentalized experience that's less communal. So, yeah, were you psyched? <clears throat> yeah, I was super psyched. I, I, sometimes I think um, as as mediums change. Um, like I, I'll give you an example. Like I remember when when CDs were out and people were like. It doesn't get any better than this. This physical thing doesn't get any better than this. Streaming came along and it was okay. But then high res came out and you're like, oh, what? I can hear everything. I can hear I, I can hear somebody walking around in the background. I can hear every high res right. it has changed things, right? And right. I think that sometimes because of the rate that we can get music, um, sometimes people treat it like music isn't an important thing. Right. Like it's lost its potency, like it's lost some aspect of its value. And I think on some level it could be viewed that way or it could be more accessible to people who may not feel as comfortable, you know, going to a CD store and, and still want to purchase it and still want to give money, you know, perpetually to somebody, you know, mm-hmm. paying for a service. So when this idea, you know, I'm, I'm very pro digital media um but i don't ever want to get rid of the movie experience but if i'm watching something at home and it's 4k surround sound your sound bar is pumping it out your tv you know some people's tvs you don't even need the sound bar for certain tvs it's like pumping out bass you know like the fact that you can have that experience at home is really really kind of amazing People forget sometimes because we have like this sort of feeling about movies that motherfuckers are like talking and texting and you see lights going off. And, you know, sometimes fights have broken out when we've gone to the movies. And I'm not saying that that's an excuse to never go to the movies. I'm just saying to not go as frequently doesn't feel like a loss to me the way that it it, because I remember feeling like I wanted to go over to somebody and twist their head physically off their body because yes. we would go to a screening and a person would talk through every plot point. Aaron almost watched me knock a man out because he was literally talking through the whole movie. Oh man, I can't believe you said that. He said that. Oh, that means that man's a drug dealer. Are you fucking kidding me, man? I'm sorry. So I, I just say that to say, <laughs> But you home, were psyched. You were happy to sit down in your home so theater psyched, and put this movie So out. psyched. And when I turned it on, it delivered. That's all yeah. I'll say. I'll start with That's it That's all delivered. you'll say. And then you put down the mic and you That's actually it. leave. <laughs> all right. All right. See you guys <laughs> oh, later. Shit, Ronald. <laughs> all, right, all right, guys. I'll see you later. <laughs> Ronald, we have more time to kill. No, no, no. But, no, um, but it, it delivered. That's the, that's the that's the one. Yeah, that's a Yeah, I would say so. As a, as a fan of James Gunn, I think it yeah. delivered on the premise of him with a little bit more freedom to just James Gunn it up and a little yeah. bit less like not being asked to be beholden to this master plan, this Marvel plan that, you know, he's, he's worked about as well as anyone has within the restrictions of finding some life within this, this overly planned franchise. I think, yes. that, you know, I would say a lot of the Marvel movies have found that life, but he's maybe the, the best one <laughs> at yeah. it in, in some ways, but this felt like just something he does. You know, if you've been following him, you felt a lot of that kind of trauma, those early days of how he got started and like with a budget, you know? And so in that sense, like James Gunn, R-rated, gory, 
you know, slapsticky at times, but yeah. character based and with characters that you're you're that are really only intended to last long enough for a cool scene or a, a cool, you know, not to say too much, but yes, the the theme. Uh, what was the the tagline was "Don't get too attached." Yeah, I think that that is a great way to approach this movie because you know you come in, you have to come into it knowing that that's the fun James Gunn is having is that DC basically said we don't care which characters you play with uh, as long as you pull from like this pool of sort of like C list characters. Right, right, right. We don't have plans for any of these people, and he was just able to yeah, you know, yeah. kind of surprise you with that. But you know, it delivered on that premise. What do you think, Steve? I mean, your you know brief thoughts, uh, just the basic idea of, of how you reacted to this movie. I mean, I was very excited to see it, and I like the idea. Like when when he announced that the ratio was one nine oh to one, I think that's good for home viewing as well. Like it's shot for IMAX entirely, yeah. but you know most TVs are widescreen now and are laid out as such. So there's really not a need, in my opinion, if I'm watching it at home, like Ronald described. I don't need the bars, you know. I don't I mean, need the bars. Just, just show me as much as I can see on my TV. And I think I, you know, people. Some people don't like that ratio or the one eight five, but. I think it plays well if you're watching it at home or mm. you want to go see it on an IMAX screen. Yeah. Um, so I was excited to hear that because like you run to have a decent TV, decent sound system. So when we watched it, I mean, it looked and sounded awesome. Mm. And uh, you know, the idea of, you know, uh, being a fan of James guns and excited to kind of see, you know, what he was going to do with these characters after not really enjoying david Ayer's suicide squad movie um much at all i just was you know everything lined up and like john said like i just feel like james gunn is kind of one of those guys who from front to back kind of like has a vision has a take has a way to do it and and whether it's marvel or dc for the most part they're just like you know do it that way and let's see how it goes so i mean i was excited to experience that and to be honest, I was excited to see it in the DC world. I mean, like, you know, DC for all of its, all of the criticisms that kind of get thrown at it for like the unevenness and the mishmash of what's going on with their DCEU. Uh, I think one of the more exciting things to come out of any of these announcements that they've made and what was coming down the pike was the fact that James Gunn, you know, when given an opportunity to do whatever he wanted in the DC EU, you know, he was offered a Superman movie. Like, you know, he chose to do another take on the Suicide Squad, and it seems like it was the right thing for him to do. And uh, I think the movie kind of works because of that, I guess. Yeah. Right. I've seen people but, say, oh, they're trying to make it seem like the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm like, in a way, you can say that it's got similar beats, similar ways of characters relating, but there is a, yeah. there is a slightly different aesthetic to it because you aren't setting up characters for the same kind of long haul that you are doing with that sort of thing. But also, the I don't know, there's just something about him playing in this zone of like the fun you can have when you're not having to do that, when when there yes. is no promise of future stuff. And I don't, I'm not saying Marvel can't do that within their, you know, they can find a place in a movie, a, a story in which they can have more... Uh, sort of spontaneity like that, but you right. feel it. You feel the kind of freedom of it. And I, I, yeah, I think that kind of hat trick that he pulled off, how do you get fired by Disney and then get hired by Warner Brothers and then get rehired by Disney? Yeah. And both sides, everybody's saying like, oh, we've got plans with James. Oh, yes, we're working with him on this right. and that. I mean, and he's already spun off John Cena's character from The Suicide Squad into... It's a show. And I mean, if, if you've seen that movie, you might be asking like, 
is he are, are you interested in spending one more second with that douchebag character I, I i would say no but i also think that with a person with james gunn like with his aesthetic you know that he has to have an angle and i think yeah. that john cena like i don't want to see them put this character on a redemption path but i do think they can deepen him a little bit and still keep the focus on just what a douchebag this guy is because what he represents in the movie is kind of like american shitty foreign policy you know like his character basically stands in for that kind of brute force without caring right. about the the people that you're even supposedly there to help when he says i'll kill as many people to liberate them as yeah. i have to or whatever so i think that john cena is funny enough to i mean I, I still am not sold on him as a guy who can really carry something but i think that there's something that he's game and i think that goes a long way and yeah. i don't think james gunn would have would do this if he didn't have an idea but that's another thing that happened because of covid is that that james gunn was sitting around and had time to write eight episodes of a of a peacemaker show for hbo max <laughs> and now they're talking about more seasons of the thing you know they want to do more so if it's a way for him to build out his kind of scuzzball corner of the dc uh, extended universe and have it possibly cross over with some of these bigger properties i mean and then meanwhile he's doing a christmas special with the guardians for for Marvel, Andy's doing Guardians 3, and they've said they want to do future stuff with... I mean, yeah, it's kind of just amazing the position the guy's in, and the fact that he seems to have done what he's done without generating much bad blood, except with the people who, um, you know, are still pissed off about the the stupid tweets or whatever that he... Did, that he's justifiably disgusting tweets, but he has apologized, and that's been 10 years, and... Anyway, I just think it's like anybody who was feeling sorry for James Gunn when Disney fired him is like, you can officially stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. I mean, he he did it right. I mean, if there were to be a, a proper way to apologize, lay low, and then get back on the train, he did it, man. Um, so sometimes I feel like there's like this over overbearing sort of narrative that like DC is so inferior that they they can't make good films. So, I mean, this is just a random thing I was looking at. There's an article that IGN did kind of just putting together all the ratings that they have for all of their movies. And I, 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 I trust IGN, honestly. I mean, I do. I've been reading it for years and years and years. I'm just going to go by these movies. Man of Steel 9.0, Justice, uh, uh, Batman versus Superman 6.8, Suicide Squad 5.9, Wonder Woman 7.9, Justice League 7.0, Aquaman 7.5, Shazam 8.8, Joker 10, Birds of Prey 8, Wonder Woman 1984 8. I don't mm -hmm. think it deserves that, but let's do well, Justice League at 8 and Suicide Squad at 9. So there's a population of people that don't necessarily hate these movies the way that the the internet sort of feeling seems to be because Marvel does have some continuity. I think this is sort of a space where DC is kind of saying our things are a little more raunchy. Our things are a little more adult. You know, people, you're going to see some blood maybe. You're going to see some, you know, I just like the idea that this is a cool alternative to these movies where you might not see somebody get shot. You know, it's like you, but these, right. I, I think it's cool because comic books are like that. And somehow there's something that got missing where like comic book representation on the screen isn't like it is in a comic book somehow. Like, but it tends to be, I'm not saying that all comic books are 
you can see a hole going through a person, but people die and people bleed and people. I'm that just has saying. more to do with movie ratings, though. Like yes. showing blood of a but certain a amount me, me, means you're getting an R. But if you're getting an R, then you're not getting like you know the the same return on it. So I mean, I can see I why they don't want to make every movie an R-rated movie. But I yeah. agree that seeing actual consequences and seeing like people get a bloody nose and seeing shit, you know, like yeah. I do think it adds to the sort of weight of the thing. And if you're looking for a movie to have that, Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, pardon me, has got you covered. You know, it's yeah. got like it's gory, and I, I do think that's one of the reasons why I was mentioning the trauma kind of roots of James mm. Gunn is that it's got that sort of. Like it's a it's a heightened B movie. I mean, it really is, and I think yeah. it wears it on its sleeve, and it knows it. And it, you know, it's a it's a hundred eighty five million dollar movie that has the ethos of a of a not quite expo exploitation movie, but it's on that level of like just going for those visceral thrills and chills and surprising yeah. Yeah. you and having like having those moments that James Gunn, I think, is pretty good at crafting. You know, I mean, he's pretty good at having where the, it, you could argue that some of his stories have a, have an odd shape to them for this reason. But he's not he's he's not averse to having one of those kind of just a surprising rhythm to a scene or a surprising like some something's happened in the story that happened at a moment that feels like, OK, well, what now? OK, well, what what's going to happen now? Mm -hmm. And I think that that, you know, you don't often get that, as you've said, Ronald, like the differences between these movies. You don't often get that in a Marvel movie. Uh, yeah. That sense of really feeling like I don't. I mean, I I I think that it's a little overstated the idea that you don't know who's going to live and who's going to die in this thing. I think it's not long into this movie that you right. realize, <laughs> okay, we are now watching a relatively conventional movie in terms of who's going to yeah. live and who's going to die. Right, but right, it absolutely. starts off with a bang in terms of showing you the idea. Like it, they do everything they can to sell the idea that yeah. anyone could die. But if if you've seen a movie before, you can kind of spot. The characters that are that are not cannon fodder uh, yeah. in this movie, I would even yeah, say, yeah. look at the poster. But that that maybe that's a spoiler. Right, um, right. But no, I think that it's a fun energy, and it, yeah, it's. I think we're all saying it satisfied. It scratched that itch for a kind of James Gunn movie. Uh, were, were there favorite moments or characters or beats that you want to kind of you know talk about before we before we move on to the the performance um, of the movie and what it means? I think that it. I mean, I think that in general, most people really like. Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. And I think that this is definitely her best turn as Harley Quinn. And I think it's just like, I, I was read, uh, reading an interview and listening to a, a podcast interview with James Gunn and him just talking about like, you know, how much he loves that character and like loves, you know, being able to write for that character. So I think, you know, I think it was really a standout to me to kind of like see her have a little more, uh, to do i mean like you know for a movie that's an ensemble there was some really good harley moments in this movie yeah. that i felt like were kind of standouts among any of the times that we've seen her thus far in the dc movies so uh, i feel like and i love margot robbie in general but i think yeah. she is like you know we talk about these performances you know of people that like are that character like perfect casting you know whatever you want to say about david Ayer's movie like he cast margot robbie as harley quinn and that was perfect casting and like you know, she's got this whole career now as this character. So it's like, it is, that is what it is. But I mean, I just think that it, there's a lot of moments in this movie that I think is some of the best stuff she's done as that character. Absolutely. Um, and um, yeah, you know, Peacemaker, I thought was fun. I think I, I actually am curious to see what the show is. I, I do kind of want to see more. I think there is a bit, there's enough there that I kind of want to, 
I agree. I don't want to see him kind of have a redemption type thing or like, you know, kind of be made out any different way than we've kind of left with him in this movie. But I just kind of, I do think I like John Cena in this role. And I, I did like that character. If I had to pick one that stands out, I mean, like, you know, I think the scene when him and Idris, uh, which, by the way, Idris finally, I think somebody used Idris right. Oh, my God. Right. I was going to say he finally yeah. got yeah. like a role that's worthy like, of like his whole toolbox. He really, he yeah. really got to be funny and like a little world weary and cool and all of it. Yeah. Yeah. He like he's a part of so many franchises and he gets done dirty in so many of them. <laughs> so many. But but he is great in this. And he's yeah. absolutely great. great. Um, but the his little thumbs up and, moment is one of my favorite moments. In yeah, the, in the, <laughs> the scene with him and Peacemaker going through that village to rescue Rick Flag. That that whole sequence, so I think, is just fucking great. It yeah. literally feels like a side scroll video game <laughs> sequence, and I think they even like shot it that way. Nobody likes a show off, yeah, unless what they're showing off is fucking dope. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he's he's right. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> and I'm like. Damn, like that 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 sequence is just like it's no. it's everything John said. It's like very gr- gross and brutal and disgusting. It has a great payoff ways. too. Like the actual payoff yes. after the yes. scene is fantastic. I yes, think. one of the best that, comedy that, moments. That, them two together, I think that 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 scene really kind of really kind of sets the tone for a lot of the 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 banter for the rest of the, sh- the movie, but I don't know. What about you guys? Anything stand out? Like what's the scene that stands well, I just want to, I want to piggyback onto what you just said though, and mention something you said, Ronald, I kind of <laughs> agree because I have what you said earlier about the theatrical experience. You can possibly kind of overrate it in your head. Cause I mm. did have that when I went to see um, old, that there were some people that were talking right up until the moment that the, that the action in the movie started, like they talked through the credits oh my and, God. and the opening stuff. But the second it was like acting on screen, they stopped. So I was like, okay, phew. But I did have that moment of like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm getting agitated because I've gotten used to not having that experience. Yeah. So I kind of am with you about thinking that you can kind of romanticize the theatrical experience. However, the moment we just talked about, or that we alluded to, that was a scene, when I was watching that at home, like the whole aftermath to that scene we just described, I actually felt what the audience, like what it would have been like to be in a crowded theater and had that moment play yes. out like yeah. the sort of release the laugh the the whatever the and i think that like james gunn i i, I think it's a, that's what i meant about it being a little sad is that like the, the moments like that really can deliver and he can yeah. deliver those big moments i mean he, he can, can deliver man. like those big funny moments and so i do think it's a shame for that reason but no i think that uh yeah i was gonna say idris elba um and there's there's one uh, character in the movie that if I'd known they they were gonna live, I would have relaxed the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, and I didn't know they were gonna live, and so I couldn't relax. But the second time watching the movie, I very much relaxed about um you know I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say which creature it was, but there was a a friendly creature <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> That I was glad uh, it it wasn't like a setup for one of these brutal James Gunn gags where, you know, because any character you start to like in this movie, you know that it's like, okay, he could be getting ready to shiv me. Yeah. Um, and you talk about Harley Quinn being really iconic in this, Steve, and her and, and Margot Robbie being Margot Robbie being really good. The whole Milton thing cracked me up yeah. <laughs> so much. Yeah. Like, anyway. <laughs> so um, good. What about you, Ronald? What about you, Ronald? Standout moments, characters, creatures? Ratcatcher 2 and her companion like just seeing yes. the rat like put his hand up 
the slap. <laughs> it just, was, it, was it Sebastian? What's the yeah, Sebastian. I think it was Sebastian. Sebastian yeah. yeah. When the rat put his hand up, the slap injures his hand, and it's just like, he just looks at his he hand. Just, up. Did he just put his hand up to get yeah. What, what does he say? Did he just put his hand in the air? Yeah. He looks at his hand like, why would somebody refuse this hand? Well, then, well, then later, uh, the, the the woman, at the leader of the resistance, asks uh, Colonel Flag. She says, uh, is that rat waving at me? And he looks over there and he says, I be- yes, I believe he is. And she's like, why is he doing that? <laughs> God, that was so good, man. Yes. It was, it was really, really well put together. Um, Yeah, so, I, I, so we have a red resident statistician on our staff steve tell us the math of suicides how did this movie do how did this movie do how should we judge this movie steve should we be judging well, it pre-pandemic the- standards is there are we in a new world where we don't know what the numbers mean anymore there's no way that a movie that cost as much as this one did yeah. there's no way mm-hmm. they can be happy with the whatever 26 million dollar return at the box office this last weekend but Putting it right. out now and making it available on HBO Max, they had to have projected that you know we're in a different world now. So yes, yeah, Steve, based on modern expectations, what what does it mean to even perform well in this atmosphere? And did this movie do it? I got uh, four words for you. Yeah. Who the fuck knows? Oh no! Because nobody frame does. to be okay. continued. Um, you know, I think the reality is is that like the whole weekend we were going back and forth on our message board, like or our, our message thread about like just bad feelings about this movie and like yeah. a lack of want to see it. And of those wanting to see it that we knew, or, or I was saying, I think we all kind of agree. It was like mostly everybody was talking about watching it at home. And, yeah. Um, yeah. and I think a lot of things contribute to that, but I think also like um, the idea that the country is kind of, it seems like we're kind of ebbing back down into a bad place, uh, especially in certain parts of the country. Um, that maybe kind of scaring people away from going back to the movies. Because uh, it's kind of crazy that of the Warner titles that kind of did this day and date, you know, that uh, like this film would underperform compared to like Mortal Kombat and uh, yeah. Godzilla versus Kong or Kong versus Godzilla. I forget which one it's called. Right. But like, you know, those kind of movies overperformed in some ways and, and and I guess in perspective of what the box office and what theaters looked like then. Yeah. And now that there's so many screens open and so many restrictions lifted, but there's still a, a general lack of want to go back to the movies, it seems like there's a ceiling that we yeah. just we were talking about of like something around that $30 million mark where like these movies that are coming out, you know, the big titles every week if it crosses certain demographics, like they're popping out around that, that frame, like 30, 26 to 34, you know, a little more, a little less. 26 to 34. No, 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 no. There it is. There you go. Um, Sorry. And, you know, I think this movie limits it a little more because of the rating, because of like Rana was saying, there's maybe a feeling of like the DCU maybe being a little all over the place. And there's a lot of, I don't know publicity any is good i guess they say but like yeah. you know bad around dc and like what they're doing and even the warner day and date decision you know there's been yeah. a lot of talk around that but the reality is is that this is where we're at we spent the whole last podcast talking about where movies were and where theaters were and what we were talking you know in terms of what our preferences were but yeah you talk about a 185 million dollar budgeted film before you even talk about pna like it's just 
a movie that internationally has to date made like 70 to 80 million. Yeah. Um, I just don't know how you quantify the value of what HBO Max is doing outside of getting subscribers that stick around beyond the 30 day window that's the Suicide Squad is on HBO Max, you know, when it comes out in the theater. I think we're in like this gray area that yeah. there's got to be an after point and the after point, whether it's good or bad, will feel more good or bad. Like yeah. it will be more black and white, I feel like. And that's because, you know, a lot of the studios are committing to smaller theatrical windows, but are getting away from the day and date stuff. Like Warner Brothers has recently announced that, you know, I think yesterday we're recording it's on Wednesday, Tuesday. They announced that, you know, they're committing to a 45 day window with AMC, which is the nation's largest theatrical chain for all 2022 releases. So they're getting back to that. And, right. and it's going to be interesting to see who sticks around. Like if Disney is going to continue doing the premier access that they did with Black Widow and Jungle Cruise. And, and we're kind of curious what they're going to do with Shang-Chi or not. Um, but it's just this weird in-between where nothing means anything anymore because yeah. there's no real measure. So I feel like you could read 20 things breaking down these numbers and I think all that matters to them is that a lot of people watched it on HBO Max and they hope they can make their money back. I don't know okay. if they will or they won't. But it is sad because I do think they made a great movie. I do think they had a great title. Uh, I don't know that the want was there to watch this movie maybe as much as they thought there was, especially coming off of even though Suicide Squad made a lot of money, that movie, I don't know many people that really enjoyed that movie. Um, and you know, it was critically panned and all that good stuff. So I don't know. And even if you look at birds of prey, the standalone Harley Quinn movie that it couldn't even name, you know, just for her, um, mm -hmm. that movie was kind of, a, a underperforming as well, you know? So it's like, are these characters, the, the ones that people really want to see movies for? I don't know, mm -hmm. but it just seems like a lot of stuff is stacked against this movie's release. And it's unfortunate because it does seem like it's maybe now the poster child for this era of underperforming on this day and date right. circumstance that we're in. Um, it's weird, man. It's so weird. And you can spin it. They can spin it any way they want, you know, cause they're trying to yeah. say, Oh, it was the second most viewed movie. And you know, what was the most one mortal Kombat? Like this yeah. was not watched more than mortal Kombat on HBO max. Right. You know? So it's like, even that spin, you still lose the perspective of, well, Mortal Kombat kind of overperformed at the box office a little based yeah. on where the world was at the time that it came out. We weren't at this point right now. Um, it's just, I don't know, man. It's just the comps are not there. And you just, it's, it's hard to say what, what this means. And I don't think it means anything except to say we had a movie. We're trying to put it out. This is what we have to do. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, like like DC, their universe should be a bigger draw than Mortal Kombat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right, exactly. It, it should be a bigger story than Mortal Kombat. And like, right. it makes me think about the when they're trying to go from. I mean, did it hurt this movie that 
that the name is The Suicide Squad and the movie that came out a few years back was called Suicide Squad. And even if you kind of half remembered that movie, I I heard people saying like, do I have to see the other one to see this? Like, I feel like there was some confusion about what was going on with it. That, I mean, I I don't know how much that actually kept people away from watching it, but I don't know. I'm curious about what what were those misses? The other thing we referred to was the marketing leaned really heavily on from the twisted mind of James Gunn. And I think that like, I don't even think that I thought that seemed like a good strategy, but I happen to be in a bubble where people seem to know who James Gunn is. But I would even say that within my bubble, which is not that, doesn't skew that hard nerdy. I mean, you know, like I look at the people I'm connected to on social media, it, there, it's it's uh, it's definitely not like like all like, I don't know movie nerd Twitter stuff, you know, like there's, it's a, it's a wide, a wide yeah. cross section, but I can kind of tell when, when right. people are excited about something new and when there's some new Marvel thing or some new show or whatever people are talking about, I see all those people being like, so should I check this thing out? And I was just not seeing the level of interest about this movie that I see about a lot of other things, you know, a lot of other things that become part of the zeitgeist, even King Kong versus Godzilla it felt like it had a kind of uh a period yeah. where everybody was sort of talking about it. And this movie, outside yeah. of a few people like Day Of, maybe Next Day, that I saw, you know, talking about it in a very favorable way, but it wasn't even like, so even within that bubble, I guess what I'm saying is it it wasn't it wasn't getting the traction that something like Loki yeah. did or something like uh, WandaVision did, you know? Which is, yeah, should I, not be the case. I think one of the cool parts about things now is that they'll have a second life in PVOD. I watch... The charts pretty frequently and so this movie is going to only be on hbo max for 31 days right so it leaves hbo max and then goes to to pvod where, where the price can be kind of shifted yeah you know it starts at 30 you know they'll have a sale where it goes down to 20 and if you watch uh what happened with universal model worked for them like and put yeah. in it they put in pvod that's You're right. Trolls World Tour stayed on the charts for damn near five months, like pretty yeah. consistently yeah. in the top five. So I right. think this I think this movie is going to have a second life in PVOD because there, there's a couple of things, that, a couple of advantages that you get in this 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 whole experience. You get for for PVOD, people who do not have HBO Max will be able to see this movie. Right. Then when you can buy it, you can watch it in a higher quality 4k and they, they won't tell you this but if you get it on pvod it'll be in a higher quality than than hbo max hbo max is great for what it is but you're getting a different experience you'll get menu i mean you'll get uh bonus features you'll get extra scenes you get things that you will not get by watching it on hbo max and i'm right. and i guarantee this will be on the charts after this 31 days it always it always happens Mortal Kombat was the same way. Like, even though Mortal Kombat did better than uh, Suicide Squad, it did still remain on a PVOD list for quite some time. So I think there's a second life. And I think that it does hurt them. Obviously, this thing being a flop, but I think what will happen is... I don't even know if it's a flop. It's just weirdly missed, you know? like It's it's just weird the way... That's the way people are wording it. I think yeah. that's, what, uh, that's what I mean. Like, I we know it's not a flop because, you know, this thing is... I think the momentum of this hasn't stopped. I, it, it feels like it's going to have a second life in in this this second arena of PVOD, but right. 
it hurts, man. It, it does hurt. But because James Gunn worked hard to do, you can feel the love on the screen. You know, it's a weird movie. Yeah. It's it's fucking good. It's gonna weird you out. It's gonna fuck you up. It's gonna make you feel a little emotional. And you can feel that we we do That's watch sincerity. a lot of mediocre. Yeah, you, you we watch a lot of mediocre stuff. And the things that rise to the top deserve attention, deserve the money. And there's some things right. that do not do not deserve the Ronald, attention. You, that get you, you know what James Gunn has that a lot of other directors who make this kind of movie don't have? What is a point of view. Ooh. He has a point of view. It may not be something to say, but he has like a right, philosophy, right, right. a point of view. There's something he's like, you know, and I think actually there's a lot going on in Suicide Squad. Yeah. That like bucks the little trends of the genre and what you might expect. And I do think he's yeah. someone who he could be that person to push it forward with stories that that are actually interesting and exist on their own legs and not having to be part of this overall tapestry. But I also think that he has kind of a style that he works in. And yeah. so seeing this movie and oh gosh, you know, the criticism that it reminded people too much of Guardians of the Galaxy was like, okay, whatever. I mean, I, I can see that there are certain character moments that might remind you of that, but it's handled in such a different way. And I think he loves actors. That's the other thing. I think James yeah, Gunn he really enjoys the people that he gets to work with. And uh, I think you can feel that too. So no, I agree. I, here's the other question I wanted to ask you guys, because this is the thing that I'm really wondering. I don't know. Like, I'm not so much saying, are they going to start yanking movies off the schedule for the next few months? But if movies like this, like, what is the proper, like, if you're Disney and you've got Shang-Chi coming out in a month, right? And here's a movie that if we're talking about traction with people, we just saw Black Widow have this moment where it seemed to kind of not really underperform, but kind of underperform. And yeah. now we're seeing Suicide Squad kind of, oh, not really underperform, but kind of underperform. What hope does a movie that's all new characters, largely unknown, you know, leading cast compared to some of these other films? Like, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it looks really cool. But I, you know, the performance of these movies does sort of affect the plans behind them. And it affects how the budgets are managed for the future installments. So these movies, I mean, it yeah. is relevant in some ways to talk about the the you know the box office of these movies i don't know do, what are you two feeling for specifically for shang chi but also just that idea of movies that are on the schedule is is marvel are they just going to say well we've got so many movies backed up we're going to put these out regardless of how they're going to do or are they going to need to refigure and figure out some way to to get back to even a, a larger fraction of what they used to pull in i have this sense of dread um honestly like like i could tell i mean you you guys can feel it that that the shang chi momentum is being slowed i mean like i saw a ton of commercials a couple weeks ago i'm not seeing as many commercials i'm not seeing as much push so i can tell that the movie that we want to look forward to in a couple weeks is probably not going to come out I think they're going to do what they did with um, Black Widow, where they like push it, uh, let's push it a month. And then that month is going to become March 2022. I what think does that, that mean for the Eternals and Spider-Man and think, Doctor I don't Strange think, or any of that stuff? You know, I don't think any of that stuff is coming out this year. I think that they, I think that they've learned their lesson. And here's a, here's another interesting thing. If depending on if they ride this out and release it, this could affect the Black Widow case. 
it, it depends on how if if Eternals comes out and does awful, then aha, my movie <laughs> was affected by COVID. COVID shit on this movie the way that it shit on Eternals that just came out a couple weeks ago. I need this $20 million that I'm owed or, or 30 or whatever. You know, or how much? It's $5 million? 50. It's 50. Steve, stop playing with me. Talking about Scarlet, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So, yeah. So she can build a case. So I think that Disney is going to not. So I think they're going to throw us a bone and put something out. I don't know if it's going to be Shang-Chi. I think that'll be the movie that they put out. That'll be the bait. They're not going to put the Eternals out because Eternals is a huge. I mean, Angelina Jolie will will go up to Bob Iger and <laughs> stab him and then stab the new guy. Well, it, well isn't the Bob, problem not that Bob, they put these movies out during this climate? She'll stab Bob Iger and Bob Jake. Jake. But, the, but the problem is not that it's these a movies are coming Bob. out. It's... it's, it's it, the, uh, the, but the reason why just Scarlett Johansson <laughs> is suing is because is because they put it out on at home. Like if if they don't yes. put it out at home, yeah. then then they don't really have a legal. There's not going to be lawsuits. I don't think if they put it out in the theater and just no one's going to the theater. Well, no, well, well no, no, no. The the case would be. I kind of agree with what Ronald. My, my take is that I think they will put Shang Chi out on whatever September third or whatever it's supposed to be. They're not going to do the premiere access. Ooh. I think it's going to be a test to see how it does in a theatrical only window. Yeah. And if it does not perform, that helps Disney's case and hurts hers. Just and it sacrifice, gives them a reason to sacrifice this to movie. Steve? I, I, I don't know. That's I don't know. cruel, man. I, I, think, I think they're too close. Like they're three yeah. weeks out yeah. from this movie coming out. And. They're still releasing posters and trailers and shit. Like as of a couple of days ago, new new posters. I I think that they like the machine is run. Yeah. Unless yeah. something like horrible, horrible happens and like the numbers get like even way worse. I, I don't think um I don't think they pull Shang-Chi. I think they leave it out and I don't know that they see it as a sacrifice, but I think they see it as a real test of whether people will go to the movies if it's the only way to see this movie that they really want to see, or are they going to stay home and wait 30, 45, 90, whatever the days are oh um, until it gets onto some other sort of platform. And then that will probably dictate because the next one is in November. Right. So, I mean, that gives them time to pull it. Cause you've noticed that we haven't seen anything else for Eternals. You know what I mean? Like nothing beyond that trailer. And uh, like no publicity for it, no yeah. additional. Maybe maybe a couple posters have come out, but I mean that's been like a month plus, two months ago. And I think that they're trying to see if Shang Chi can perform any better uh, as a theatrical only. Because as of the time that we're recording this, I think there's multiple statements that at this time there's no plans to release it on premiere access. It's a it's a theatrical release. This so, is a, a pawn sacrifice, man. Is this is fucked up? Yeah, I mean, it I sounds like it. I don't know. Sounds like I don't it. know. This is first movie with like Asian yeah, that's representation. The, that's, the, that's the horrible part. Yeah, that's this is, that's, that's, that's 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 a not, bad look. That is not good. 
Yeah. It feels like it, man. It feels like a pawn sacrifice. It, it the, go ahead. What were you gonna say? But but if it performs mm. like they want it to, but I mean it's kind of like you're gonna shoot yourself in the foot because I think that really does, you know, solidify Scarlet's case. And I mean, I don't yeah. think that that's gonna go far. They're gonna they're gonna settle this, I think. But yeah. I, I I I just think it's just so it's weird right now, man. And like, there's no, nothing's really performing. There's yeah. like this ceiling, like that we talked about. And if Shang-Chi comes out and is only in theaters and only makes $30 million or whatever, 40 million, if it somehow gets to that, that's still yeah. not a win. Like that's, yeah. that's not a win at all. So I have a, I have a theory and tell me how you guys feel about this. No standalone Marvel movie will do well during a pandemic. I think it has to be connected to a story we know already. Like, I think the only one that'll do well if it comes out this year is Spider-Man. Yep. That's the only way because it's connected to a bigger story. We know Spider-Man. People love Spider-Man, like, incessantly. Like, we'll do anything to see him. I don't know if this will be this this. Eternals and Shang-Chi won't be it. And it's no by no means uh, uh, a disrespect to the story or no. how good it'll be. No, not it at has all. To do it, it has to do with what people are willing to risk during the COVID right now. And, and what you're getting at, too, is like the effort it takes to get something new into people's consciousness. You know, yes. like a new idea, new characters. Like my, my wife, who has enjoyed all the Marvel stuff with me. Um, mm. we watched the Shang-Chi trailer and, and my son and I were kind of buzzing about, oh, this looks cool and this looks cool. And she was like, not in a negative way, but she just said, am I supposed to know who that is? Like, <laughs> as though she was saying, like, I don't know if yes. I know how that connects to anything, you know? Yeah. And so in a yeah, way, right. that is that is the problem, is that you just can't feel this, like, for whatever reason, and I don't know if it has to do with COVID or if it's just that certain movies come at a, at a time where it's hard to get people focused on it, but I, I just wonder if this has kind of broken the bubble of at least for the time being of these kind of blockbuster movies like they got so red they got so ready for this world where like you put out one of these movies that you spend like you said steve 200 million dollars on the budget and then spend that again on the marketing and they got so used to making three or four times that (laughs) you know or or two or three times that with the worldwide box office and it was this worthwhile thing and i just don't know that they know how like i think that People were excited to go to the theater, and crowds were doing that. And now I don't think Disney yeah. has a plan. As smart as they've been, the MCU, none of the people over there have a plan. The people at DC, they don't have a plan for like how do you how do you get people that excited about stuff now? Yeah. You know, especially as you said, something brand new, a character that as cool as it may look, and as interesting as the cast may appear. And especially if you're upbeat and positive about the representation part of it, you know, that's another reason to be excited about that movie. But none of that means anything in yeah. a world where they don't really know how to get people excited about movies again, like how to prioritize movies in our lives again, you know? Um, that's, that's the problem, is that I think that the pecking order has been rearranged. You know, yeah. I just think that the idea of priorities. I just don't know that movie going and the frequency at which you do that is a priority to a lot of people anymore, especially when you can uh, sort that into the convenience of watching something from home in something that you're already paying for. Yes. Yes. Um, So I I do think you're right in that. I I think it really kind of has shaken it up. I think it's kind of really 
reconfigured the whole idea of blockbuster movies, quote unquote, on both sides of the equation, Mm -hmm. a blockbuster in terms of scope and budget and a blockbuster in terms of performance. I think it's 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 tilted right now. Like it, it's it's one side is up, and it, they can't get that balance. Mm. And, and that's what I was trying to get at earlier. I don't know that I don't know a movie that is going to really be able to deliver that balance anytime soon. Maybe a Spider Man. I think James that's Bond. probably the best bet between this. Yeah, James Bond. Maybe between this and the end of the year. Then again, though, you know, you look at a, a Fast Nine. That's also a movie that should have done that. And I mean, it's still doing better than most movies that have come out now, but uh, or Black Widow even like I, they they both are nowhere near the height that they were expected to be, um, mm-hmm. and even a Spider Man may suffer from that. Yeah, um, Black Widow is now on PVOD. Just to randomly point that out. Yeah, now, yeah. So and, and I think goes. like you know the fact that we haven't even seen stuff for Spider Man, you know, is is a little questionable. Um, yeah, could be telling. But, but I don't know. I mean. I just think we're in a weird gray area and I think there's a, you know, up is down, black is white, and there's no real logic to it. It's like, a let's see what we can do. Let's see if it's, let's see if people find this movie yeah. um, or come to support this movie. And, you know, I too would hate to see a movie like Shang-Chi and the 10 rings be sacrificed, but I, I, you know, I don't know that it's kind of, it would definitely not be positioned as that. It'd be more of like, you know, we need to test, uh, you know, this criticism that is being levied upon us by our talent, by a lot of people like in the industry and say, like, can it perform like some of these other ones have? Like the, the, the Fast and Furious example is one that was not available day and day, you know, and, yeah. and that did pretty good. <sighs> Man, it's just it's just weird. And um, it's it's not helping anything that the country is basically going backwards. Yes. <laughs> right. You know, right. with the COVID of it all, you know, it's not helping any effort of any of these studios or talent filmmakers. Um, and I, I don't know, like one last thing I want to mention, we talk about like what's coming for the rest of the year and the ones that might, might save it quote unquote, or actually outperform or overperform. I sent the message to you guys. I was like the real question that I have for you guys for today's podcast. And I want I want you to tell me what you think about this. The guy that this podcast loves, a man that we all are huge fans of, and I'm very excited for the next movie he has coming out. But the reality is setting in that Dune could possibly be the biggest flop of a long time. Yes. Um really concerning me and i don't know what they're gonna do in terms of i mean they're still ramping it up so i'm I'm assuming they're going for it it's less than two months out um but this movie is a monster budget we're talking over 200 million dollars and i cannot look at this title and in the trailers and while i have found them to be great how the fuck is this movie gonna make any money when it's coming out day and day, let alone even if it was just theatrical only, where is an audience? There isn't for this movie right now. There isn't, man. That the the thing is, the magic. Oh God, can't believe I'm saying this. The magic of Netflix is that it can invite you into a world that you aren't necessarily familiar with, without sacrificing your time going you're, someplace you're so right 
so and right. this sci- sci-fi this type of sci-fi is like high art let's be honest yeah. there's a difference between star wars and there's no offense to star wars and what doom and blade runner were doing this is like right. high art man and i think that right. sometimes this is a hard sell I haven't, and to be completely honest with you, I've never been able to watch the new Blade Runner. I I have not finished it, and it's no, it 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 has to do with like what it is, the scale of it. I'm a little intimidated, if I can right. be completely honest with you. Right. Um, and Dune looks twice as as intimidating, and I'm in for it. I'm I'm in for it. I'm gonna see it. Is it gonna be simultaneous HBO Max? Yeah, or they haven't. I mean that's that was the original announcement. Who knows what they'll do it's now? It's supposed to be. Supposed yeah. Although apparently they haven't like finished that deal with Legendary to pay them out for that release. So I mean that's why it's a little bit of a question mark. Yeah. But it also it also it also worries me because I don't know. I've not read the book. I'm not super familiar with the property, right. but you can tell from the trailer that this is obviously intentioned to be a two-part movie mm. and uh it seems like it maybe it's going to suffer from the criticism that mortal Kombat got where like movie about a tournament that never gets to a tournament <laughs> oh, you know no. a movie about this massive epic battle right, that right. may not get to that battle in this movie it seems like it's intended to be a second movie and it's like there's a genuine worry that like they may not make a second movie. But I mean, this, this project was this project was created expecting to come out in I the know. atmosphere of, oh, yeah. look at all these movies that are making so many hundreds of millions, and this is a property that's got a real mythology behind it, and whether people know it or not, it's got there's like a deep well of story. I don't know. There there was there was a different plan. They hatched this movie in a different world. And yes, now you're right. This movie's like I think what we're kind of avoiding saying, but it's kind of what you've said, Steve, is that like, okay, Suicide Squad did what it did, and it had whatever recognition based on the DC stuff and a connection to things like for audience engagement. Now, Dune may have fans of the sci-fi. I mean, there's, you know, so it's a book that's been read by millions, so there may be enough fans of that book that the idea of a faithful adaptation is going to be exciting to them. But like... Suicide Squad did what it did, and Dune doesn't even look fun. I mean, as good as it looks, it doesn't yeah, no, look no, fun. Right. Yeah, it doesn't look right. like a good time. So if you are the casual like person, if, unless you're the person who's like, oh my gosh, look at that imagery, look at the scope, look at the scale of this thing, it doesn't yeah. look like a blast, you know? Yeah. It kind of looks intimidating and serious, and, and, and so I don't know. To me, yeah, I, I hate to say, I, I just don't see... I just don't see how they could do it. I mean, unless the climate of who's going to the theater and how they're doing it is dramatically different in November or whenever it's supposed to come out. Like, I just don't see how they can create the sort of sense of of an event that this movie was intended to be, that it was, you know, built to be this huge, this huge theatrical event. And yes, you're right. I had not thought about the ramifications of that for, for our boy Denny, but. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be two burns on Denny. Yeah. And and what and the problem is, you know, this is gonna happen, man. Like, there's gonna be some think piece that comes out in five years, and it's like we need to reassess DB's work, and yeah. you know, it'll list all these classic movies that he's done: the X Machina, Blade Runner, this, you know, 
all the films. He didn't do X Machina. He didn't do. He, he didn't do Machina. He didn't. Alex Garland. Alex Garland. Did. Oh, for some reason, I thought he did that. Um, you know, you attach yourself to these ideas, and you know, it, it, it'll take something like that or somebody to write this article down the line about this how great of a filmmaker this guy is. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate that it's happening on his watch the way that it is. And a lot of people that wanted to, even, even for as much as he bitched about it, uh, Christopher Nolan, like the fact that Christopher Nolan couldn't put out a Christopher Nolan film on his terms, you know, he, he comes out with a movie every couple years. It's not like he's like pumping them out every year. The fact that he couldn't get a proper release and couldn't put out the vision the way that he wanted, you could feel it. You could feel the like, you know, he probably would have did a press run. He probably would have done... But, it, you but could, Tenet performed pretty well compared to the, yeah. the prospects a lot of these movies that we're talking about. You know, like a, at least Tenet came out. And same with Trolls World Tour. Let's Those movies had the legs they did partially because of when they came out. There wasn't a lot yeah. going on. But Christopher Nolan actually getting in early was smarter in terms of that, I think, because yeah. people were yeah. sort of like... Like, there was some excitement for that movie. But, yeah. but I know what you're saying. It's like... I don't know. None of this stuff is the same. I mean, we just keep saying it, but it's like none of this is the same landscape that it was before. So it's almost hard to even talk about what the expectations should be. But definitely they would not have planned to spend what they've spent on some of these movies. And I wonder if we're going to see a return of, you know, that kind of mid-budget movie that people have said is dying out. Maybe there's less risk if you spend twenty million on a movie that might make fifty or sixty, then spending yeah. two hundred million, honestly, on a movie that is supposed to make a billion and yeah. and now might make you know half of the half of what you spent on it. I don't know. It's crazy. <clears throat> I mean, it's weird, man. Like I, I haven't heard about any of the like eighty million dollar movies, but you know what keeps popping up till death with Megan Fox. It's just <laughs> like I I think that this is like you're saying this perfect time for these like lower budget mid-level films to shine that don't cost a ton of money that can be that people don't mind it going to pbo straight to pbod that don't right. mind it right. showing up on like you know aqu- being acquired by like a netflix or a hulu right. there's there's a sweet spot for that right now and it feels like as much as i hate it this is a cool ass time for like like this this um the duplass brothers have a uh, that um, that COVID movie that's coming out, the uh, language uh, language lessons with um, uh, Natalie, geez, I forget her name. Morales. Natalie Morales. Yeah. Um, which I think under normal circumstances wouldn't be a winner. I feel like if this gets in front of the right, the right, couple people this movie could like skyrocket because it's different it's not big budget it feels a little closer to home like these films feel like they can win in a place where like you know i i like to douse the the podcast with something random and indie these are going to be the ones that kind of rise to the top during this time so we'll see what happens man it's sad though you know we, we all feel this like 
All the circle too. back though. Watch the Suicide Squad. Please. It's a lot of fun. You know, the, the podcast, we've all given it a very positive review. It's worth yeah. checking out whether you're safe enough or feel comfortable enough going to a theater. I am jealous. I, I would love to go see it in the, you know, the Dolby screen and just kind of experience it there before it, it moves off of that. But I won't be doing that, unfortunately, uh, because again, America. Uh, but I just think that, you know, if you have a safe space to watch this movie at your home and you have an HBO Max subscription, it's definitely worth checking out. It's a blast. It's a lot of fun. And uh, there's a lot to take away from it that is like makes it an enjoyable watch, especially, you know, considering we haven't really had a ton of great stuff in a little while. So, I mean, I think this stands out a little bit to me uh, personally. Yeah. Cool. I think that's um, it. <clears throat> that's it, man. That's it. Uh, again, Nine Perfect Strangers debuts next week, next Wednesday, I think, on Hulu. Yeah, the first, um, three, the first episodes. three episodes will be out. And then I think they're going to do like a weekly type, type of rollout, um, which they do quite often. And then again, Suicide School, The Suicide Squad is on HBO Max now. And like Ronald said, it's only going to be there for like 30, 31 days. So you've got like three weeks left to check it out. Yeah. Uh, if you want to watch it on that platform or go to a theater if you're comfortable doing that. Um, and what if, mention that real what if from Disney Plus, the first episode's out, uh, coming out on Wednesdays, as all the Disney series uh, that Marvel's doing are planning to do. So, moviesmovie.com is the website. Uh, hit it up. You can listen to back episodes right on that site or join the whatever podcast app platform you listen to podcasts on. It should be everywhere. Uh, I think uh, this week a new feature is rolling out on Facebook where you should be able to listen to our podcast feed on our Facebook page. We're working on trying to get that enabled uh, uh, this week, hopefully. Um, so that'll, if you're a Facebook person who is on there all day, couldn't be easier for you to listen to this podcast. Um, and it's great on there because you can share it so easily. Yeah. So, you know, that's no excuse if, if that's the case. Yeah. But hopefully we get that running uh, by the time this episode comes out. Uh, next week we'll be back. We'll hopefully we'll catch up on uh, a little more. What if maybe, maybe talk about another episode of nine perfect strangers. Talk about the white Lotus. That season finale will be up. And uh, I don't know, whatever comes to mind between now and then, you know, that's just how open we are and flexible we are. And we'll, we'll, we'll see what rolls up. We'll, we'll probably be talking about how free guy underperformed at the box office yeah. or maybe overperformed. Yeah. Maybe the Ryan Reynolds of it all. Maybe he's the wild card. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Um, not so much in the Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife's movie, whatever that was called. That didn't do so hot. But anyway, yeah, that'll be next week. Uh, thank you for listening. As always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.